throwing both pieces of turnip upwards, Drufo covered his head with both paws, jumping out of the way. Kerda slashed up, then sideways, in two speedy movements. She cut one piece, but the other thudded to the ground untouched. Kerda's pink eyes blazed with anger at her error. Drufo was bending to pick up the pieces when she whipped the flat of the blade viciously across his back. Stupid off! Then I say throw! You throw them proper! Throw high! What do you think I am, you thick mud brain punk boss? Drufo stayed bent over, still protecting his head with both paws, as the ferret vented her spleen on him with the flat of the sword blade. Knowing her old friend was in danger of losing his life, Triss yelled as she began throwing turnip chunks in the air with all the haste she could muster. Princess, I can throw better than that old fool. Look, hop, hop. I can send them higher too. Ready, throw. The ploy diverted Kerda's attention. She turned and shot both chunks as they came down. The squiddle maid, who was ready with two more, made sure she tossed them high and slow. The sword cut through the chunks easily. Kerda was out of breath. But her temper had improved. She leaned on the sword, nodding and panting. You throw good. That's the way to throw darnums. Yeah. The door opened, and another pure ferret ambled in. He was bigger than his sister, and had a silly grin all over his face. Kerder addressed her brother contemptuously. What do you want, Blad Bootnose? Blad was used to his sister's insulting manner. His droopy, oversized gut wobbled as he chuckled. Ha, ha, ha! You make a better cook than a swordfish, yeah? You still chopping turnips for just you, little sister? Ha, ha, ha! She raised the sword, advancing on him. One day I chop you for the stew-lard barrel. Yar, I chop you good. Why you come here, eh? Blood shuffled to the door and held it half open, creating a shield between them. He poked his tongue childishly at Kerda. King want to see you, yar. He mad about the herrings. He say, come now, quick, or he put a big lock on his door. Kerda pointed at him with the sword. Her bad mood renewed. Speak, Nose! You've been telling tales to King about me. Blood took off downstairs, laughing idiotically, with his sister hard on his heels. Triss helped Drufo up as the door slammed behind the two pure ferrets. She steadied the old squirrel. Are you all right, Drufo? She didn't cut you, did she? He smiled, rubbing his back ruefully. Thanks to you, she didn't, Missy. Thanks to you. <laughs> So beast, that white streak of slime ain't half the sword beast your dad was. White streak of slime. Triss chuckled silently at the way her old friend often repeated phrases. She set about gathering up the cut turnips. <laughs> and a paw with these, you old grumbler. Let's get them out to the others. Every bit helps. The squirrel maid poked her head over the sill of the high chamber window and imitated the harsh strike of a seagull. Far below, a gang of creatures were working, laying a path of pine logs to make a walkway between the sloping grass hill and the rocky shore of the river. It would run from the gates of Riftguard Fortress along its edge to the jetty. Moored at the pier's end, facing down river to the sea, was a ship. It was small, with one square purple sail, a very pretty little craft, skillfully built and wonderfully ornamented. The workers, an assortment of squirrels, mice, hedgehogs and otters, looked upward at the window. A slim, pretty sea otter maid, named Sleeve, murmured, Stand aside, mates. Here comes supper, thanks to Miss Triss. As they dropped the turnips down, Triss questioned Drufo about her father, whom she had never known. Do you remember my father? 
What was he like, Dufo? The old squirrel shook his head fondly. Oh, like no other young un, like no other. There was never a sword beast born could cross blades with Rock Aram. I knows, cause I fought alongside him. We was like brothers. Triss heaved more turnips over the sill to her friends below. But despite all that, he was slain. Trufo paused for a moment, his face grim. Brought him down with arrows, more than a score of those dirty rift-guard rats. I remembers it to this day. But Rock, your pa, went down fighting, snapped his blade and hurled it in their faces. Rock Aram wasn't never one to surrender. Never. Triss sighed as she swept the last vegetables up from the floor. Wish I'd have been old enough to fight. They'd have never got him. We'd have still been free, living in the mountains upriver, all of us. Trufo watched those below, gathering the last of the turnips. He looked to the high mountains on either side of the river, thick pine woods sweeping down their sides to the rocky banks, still patched with last winter's heavy snows. The old squirrel voiced his thoughts. Ah, it's a cold, hard place to live, this Northland, I tell you. And a harder place to be enslaved in than any I know. Keeping her voice low, the squirrel maid drew close to Zufo. Once we've got the boat built, it'll be down river in the open seas for us. We'll find a better life in those lands beyond the great sea. Zufo grabbed her paw anxiously. Chris, don't be foolish. No beast ever escaped from Riftguard and lived to tell of it. You've got to forget those mad ideas. Tris pulled her paw from his grasp. Four more days, that's all it'll take, Trufo. I'm not missing a chance of freedom by being faint-hearted. Jog the Otter and Rolfo the Hedgehog have been helping me. Our boat should be ready soon. You can escape with us. There's room for one more. Trufo looked at Tris anxiously, keeping his voice low. You three don't know the danger you're in, Missy. You just don't know. Stealing wood from the king's new walkway, piling up victuals and tacking together rags for a sail. Ah, it is too risky. I want no part of it. No part, you hear me? I ain't going to be responsible for the death of young creatures. Triss cocked an ear to a sound outside on the stairway. She muttered swiftly under her breath. Stow it. Somebody's coming. The door was wrenched suddenly open. Captain Rifton and four of his rats marched into the chamber. Triss and Rufo fell upon all fours, making a pretense of cleaning the floor. Rifton was a mean-natured rat. Cruelty was stamped on his narrow face. He leaned on his spear and placed a footpaw hard on the back of Triss's neck. So tell me, what are slaves doing, alone and unattended, in a room full of weapons, eh? Trufo kept his tone humble as he explained. Princess Curda gave us permission, Captain. We've been attending her at sword practice. Me and Triss is just cleaning up. We're near done, Captain. The Rat Captain glanced round the chamber. Looks clean enough to me, eh, lads? The four Rat Guards nodded their agreement eagerly. Aye, oh, Captain! Rifton lashed out with his spear hat, knocking Drufo flat. Don't ever let me catch you alone in here again. Get down to the walkway and report for work. On the double! Drufo scrambled up and made for the door. Triss was about to rise and go with him when Rifton brought his spear point down to rest at the base of her skull. Not you. I've had you watched, Missy. You're going down in the cages to keep your two little pals, the otter and the spike pig, company. Bet you thought I didn't know you was making an escape boat. Take a guards! 
two rat guards grabbed Swiss's paws, whilst the other two menaced her with their spears. Truffaut tried to intercede. But, Kevin, it couldn't have been her. She's been with me all the time for days now. Triss ain't done nothing, I swear it. Rifton gave him a kick that sent him staggering awkwardly down the stairs. He winked at the four guards. Show me a slave and I'll show you a liar. Take her to the cages. She'll sing like a lark when I'm done with her. Triss was hauled off downstairs, tight-lipped but struggling. She glimpsed Truffaut's pitiful, frightened face as they dragged her off to the punishment cages. Chapter 2 Beyond the trackless seas, far from the fjords and mountains of Riftgard, the late spring afternoon was mellow as butter and blue as a periwinkle. Great Abbot Apodemus and his old companion, Malbon Grimp, sat dozing peacefully on the sun-warmed ramparts of Redwall Abbey's northeast wall. Somewhere over the treetops of Mossflower, a blackbird warbled its rich, fruity aria to the season. There was hardly a breeze to be felt. Down below the abbey grounds basked, still and silent, in serene noontide. Malbon was a wood mouse who held the position of healer and recorder of Redwall. She was drifting off into a slumber. Both eyes.